Welcome to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Join the conversations of a collaborative community of women from the Southern Baptist Convention family who long to connect, engage, and encourage one another as they serve and lead in diverse ways to impact the kingdom of God. Pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in on what God is doing through women of the SBC. Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of At The Table. My name is Jackie King, and I am doing the countdown to summer. I think this is probably going to air in summer, so hopefully we are all still rocking and rolling, but um, my kids get out of school next Thursday, and so I am trying to cram in all the fun and pedicures and rest and quiet. Anybody else out there just trying to get some quiet in before the crazy of summer starts? And so I am excited that you're here and here to listen to another conversation of women and leadership and the SBC. And today we get to tackle the topic of pastor's wives and being a pastor's wife. I know we have so many that um, have the privilege, and I will call it a privilege, of having that role, me being one of them. Um, But maybe you're listening today and you're like, oh, that's not me. Um, I still want you to listen in. I think that we all obviously have a pastor's wife. We're involved in leadership in the church. And so I think it would be really encouraging to, even if you aren't um, fulfilling that role or in that role, that you would maybe listen in on some of the conversations and things and struggles that some of us deal with. So today, to help tackle that conversation, I get to welcome to the show Miss Diane Nix. Hi, Diane. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Jackie. So glad to have you on. So why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. How did you kind of get into this role of being a pastor's wife? And um, and just where are you from? Where do you live? Kids, all of those get to know you fun questions. Okay. Well, first of all, I uh, did not grow up Southern Baptist. I really didn't grow up with a spiritual background at all. Uh, I'm a farmer's daughter, and my mom taught us about God and about the major holidays, and but really had no spiritual background and um, had a lot of addiction in my family. The very short version of this, that uh, addiction uh, drove me to make a vow early on in my life, young life, that I would never be like the person that was involved in the addiction. And the truth is, I was not like that person. I was worse than that person. So when God uh, saved me and rescued me and altered my life in a drastic way and then uh, began to work with me, uh, it was just like a sponge. I, I remember just memorizing scripture and just was involved in so many things uh, early on in a, in a church that was larger than any town that I'd ever uh, uh, lived in in my life. We, I, I'm from Texas, then we moved to Missouri, and then came back on my own to uh, back down to the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and there um, I had just met the Lord right before that, and I was just like a sponge. And um, in that whole process, the Lord set me on a journey to really knowing who He was and how much He loved me and called me to ministry, and I surrendered to ministry uh, and said, I will do anything but be a ministry wife. I'll be oh, I'll yes. do anything but being a pastor's <laughs> wife. And I I, I know uh, that me too. There are, yep. <laughs> oh, I know there's a lot of women who said, I'll do anything but that. I'm yes. not going to do that. <laughs> and when I surrendered to that, that call upon my life and then the Lord had placed my husband in my path and he was already in ministry, serving as the youth pastor there and 
and that is a long story in and in of itself. But I actually said to the Lord, I am not going to fall in love with that man. I'm not. No yeah. way. Yeah. No. And ended up knowing that uh, and really praying that he would love me because of my background. Because he has a very faithful, grew up a Christian, early on his life chose Christ and just is a plotter. And I'm a party waiting to happen. And he is just that guy that's going to color inside the lines all the time. And I'm going to color right on the line. <laughs> and yeah, so, yeah. Um, and as I prayed that he would love me, the Lord just gave me a heart for serving him. And um, I surrendered to that uh, call in my life and um, just see it as a great privilege and never thought I deserved it. And yet that's part of the journey is that he really did save me to serve him in this capacity and to, to be really a, a picture, I think, of, of his grace in action. What happens yes. when we surrender and how he can use every single thing in our lives to bring glory to him and to relate to women like myself that maybe God doesn't call into vocational ministry, but they have a, a great influence within their communities, and yet they don't even understand how much grace and mercy he gives us. And then through that grace and mercy, then he offers uh, an opportunity for them to impact other women in their sphere of influences that will alter and change the kingdom mm, for his yes. glory. So good. So I have, um, that was in Texas, and uh, we started our churches in Texas, and we are told we would never have children, and um, ended up uh, five failed adoptions, and finally had a stillborn, and then, um, then lo and behold, go to a church in Oklahoma, which we called Foreign Mission Field from Texas. You know how we are with Texas and Oklahoma. <laughs> And I didn't know you were from Texas. I will say that. So that I makes am. me love you even more. So <laughs> I am. I'm a panhandle girl, born in I Earth, love it. Texas. Born in Bushy. Um, lived in Spring Lake and Earth. But anyway, okay, so there okay. you go. Yeah, they just ran an article about how apparently we have like the best accent in America. So hey, I, we've got something totally going for agree. us, I guess. I do. Absolutely. <laughs> and so anyway, grew up or uh, um Went through that and had finally got to have went to Oklahoma, shared my uh, my journey with the, this precious two hundred women. Listened to my journey that day, and those women began to pray for me. In our first retreat, we announced that I was pregnant with Rebecca Elizabeth, hmm. and um, so Rebecca came, and then uh, God surprised us with Rachel. And along the journey, picked uh, picked up two spiritual daughters. Um, and uh, Kasha and Courtney, who we absolutely love as if it, we gave birth to them. Pray for them every day. Just dream yeah. for them. And just a blessing to serve the Lord in this way. So good. Okay, mm -hmm. so how long have you and your husband served? And I guess how long have you been a minister's wife or pastor's wife? Well, uh, we served as senior pastor's wife of, uh, for about 21 years. Uh, and then 13 years ago, we moved to southern Louisiana, a place that we never thought we would ever live, to New Orleans, Louisiana, where my husband became a professor of evangelism and preaching uh, in New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. 
and um, we uh, lived here for about two and a half weeks and experienced Hurricane Katrina. So we have been in ministry. Um, he is now serving in his 12th interim pastorate, where he goes in. He's very intentional in his interims. Um, and so we've been in ministry for 35 years and serving in some capacity in ministry and senior pastor in ministry full-time 21 years in the last 13 years serving, uh, 13 and a half years serving in, uh, as a professor at Norling Seminary and an interim pastoring. So, okay. Yeah. So, so you have done this like for a while, and I think you're mm-hmm. even able to come in at it from different angles, you know, not mm-hmm. only as a senior pastor's wife, you're a youth minister's wife, you know, at the time um, mm-hmm. of you guys meeting and uh, early stages of marriage and stuff like that. And then now in the seminary. And so all along that time, God kind of birthed within you um, and you were the founder and the starter of this ministry called Contagious Joy. Um, so tell me a little bit about that and where that came from. Like, how did it get birthed within your heart? And then a little bit later on, I'd love to kind of chat through like, what did, what does the ministry do and, and all of those things? So can you maybe take us back to the beginning of where this mm-hmm. really started to kind of birth in you? Well, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Donna Gaines, and I met with uh, Ronnie Floyd several years ago in his office and asked if we could have, uh, I, I believe that, uh, I believe this is correct, Ronnie was uh, the president of the Pastors Conference at that time, and uh, we were all friends, and um, we asked him, uh, Donna and I went to his office and talked with him about having a um, Monday morning session for the pastor's wives and if we could have a little space. And it started all of those years ago. So that's can't believe it, but that's been close to um, maybe 20 years ago that that happened or more. And uh, he said, sure, let's do that. And out of that grew time where uh, we put together a group of women that help organize the Monday morning session. And that um, that event in, the, in of itself, we... Um, would meet on Monday mornings and we would provide programs for ministry wives, pastors wives coming to the pastors conference on Monday mornings, um, whatever the uh, Southern Baptist venue for our, our convention was. And afterwards, I just began to see one year our, our theme was contagious joy, I think. I think that was accurate. And I just kept thinking at the end of it that we just needed to connect with these ministry wives throughout the year. And I didn't know how to do that. And I kept, um, I kept asking questions and kept praying and kept asking questions of the ladies and everybody was busy with their own churches. And in my own prayer time, the Lord just said, Diane, I gave you this vision and you need to begin to um, connect with them through just mail, doing an email out to the ministry wives that you have emails for. And so what happened over the last, I guess, uh, from around 2007, the last 12 years, I just started started emailing uh, devotionals to women and began to try to connect with them. Uh, we created a forum on the website, which we've closed the back door where no search engines can come in, and you can have a safe place to share your thoughts, your prayer requests. And um, and one day I kept trying to just pour it into our uh, denomination, Southern Baptist, and the Lord just said, Diane, this is kingdom work. Uh, and through a series of events that would take t- too long for here, but I just am saying, the Lord said, no matter what name you put on the outside of your church, 
sheep are sheep. And yeah. ministry wives need encouragement of all stage, in all stages of life, and they need a safe place to become iron sharpens iron to one another. And there's a tagline that I sometimes use, because no one gets a ministry wife like another ministry wife. There's mm-hmm. just something about that that we can share some common ground um, in understanding of living in the glass house and what that looks like. And so that's how it started. And over the years, uh, the Lord began to speak to my heart about doing um, uh, retreats, giving an opportunity for them to have free retreats. And so that's kind of where we are. And that's how I got started. So crazy that it's free. And I love how the Lord has just like built up this ministry and just your heart that started it of wanting to be that bridge, wanting to be that voice of encouragement and camaraderie. And then now look at what it has become, you know, (laughs) Um, and to where you're able to go. We were chatting before we started um, recording about just what your plans look like over the next couple of weeks and how you are literally going to be all over the world and being able to Mm. share just encouragement and compassion and empathy and all of those things. So I want to kind of get into the nitty gritty of being a pastor's wife and just kind of have a raw conversation to throw out there, which is going to take some vulnerability, obviously. Um, But I want to know, uh, even kind of bringing my own experience to the table as well, what are some of the big lies that you're hearing and struggles at these retreats that you're hosting online? Um, you know, you have your presence there within the website and the forum and stuff. And so what is one or a couple of those common issues that keep rising to the surface that you really see pastors' wives like struggling with? Well, I think that uh, that's a threefold answer, that there's three top lies that women believe Um the first one being, uh, this is across, across denominational lines, and that is that if she's uh, truly called to be this ministry wife, that she is destined to be always lonely, that she will never have true friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth is, they are lonely. I think what we forget, uh, I was visiting with a uh, ministry wife that is also in a, uh, in a, um, a corporate setting, and she is in a very, very large non-denom church, and she's probably she's removed from that spotlight that we we think of sometimes because she is in such a large church. But and so she can just be a staff wife and ministry wife without being on on stage or on display. And so the first lie would be that you're lonely because the reality is, uh, I think there's around forty-eight thousand Southern Baptist churches right now, and. Uh, what we forget is that most of those churches run 200 or less. So that means that that ministry wife, a lot of times she's it in her congregation. She's the one on display. And so there is a lonely uh, situation that she can experience. And, and so the reality is that she absolutely needs fellowship. And so that's the first law that they're believing, that they are never going to have friends. So what we do in these retreats, it really is a connecting point for them that they develop a friend that's maybe outside of their sphere of influence and yet even outside of their denomination and become a safe place for them. The second lie is, is I think that women uh, ministry-wise sometimes believe the lie of the enemy that says you're unusable because of things you've done in your life or you don't have the education or you don't have the background spiritual education and um you don't 
if they really knew who you were, they're not going to like you. So she's unacceptable. She's unqualified. Um, and I think that that's a huge lie, especially because of the younger generation in, that's coming up that are more trained than ever before. But I do believe that um, education does not equal training all the, mm-hmm. all the time. Right. <laughs> we can yeah. have education and not understand what it looks like to be in ministry. Uh, and the third lie is um, that she's not called. That that's his mm-hmm. ministry, yes. and I'm not I'm not a partner in that, and that's a twofold issue. Sometimes the men in protection of their wives, or he's just is such a strong leader. We have to look a certain way. I think the stigma of you got to play the piano, you got to do this, blah blah blah, is somewhat gone. But I do think that we place unrealistic expectations on ourselves, and then we allow the expectations of the church DNA to be placed upon us. And so we, instead of surrendering to our own specific call that God has called, placed upon our lives and joining with our husbands in their calling and understanding that if he's called him, he's not going to call half of a flesh, but mm-hmm. surrendering to that call, understanding that God knows your giftedness. He knows your uh, personality. He made you. So mm-hmm. he's not going to make a mistake and place you in a position if he's truly called your man to ministry and not equip you to be a partner in that ministry. Yes. Oh my goodness. There are so many good things that you're saying that are like firing off in my head right now. Um, mm-hmm. I remember, so we're new to our church. We've been here about nine months here in Arkansas mm-hmm. and yeah. I was meeting um, a former minister and his wife and um, they're probably like in their seventies or eighties and they had been a part of our church a long time ago, moved away and served. And they were telling me the story about how they had interviewed for a church back in the day and that he didn't get it over another candidate because she didn't play the piano. And I was like, are you serious? Like, that was the whole reason you didn't get that job. But I think that's kind of a funny way of like, we would look at that and think that's crazy, you know, but then... Especially for me as a pastor's wife, and even I think churches and church members, we kind of have all of these unsaid expectations, and it may not be, um, okay, you have to play the piano anymore, but I think there are expectations that we kind of unknowingly put on our our pastor's wives, right, Um, to where uh, they need to lead out in a certain way, or they need to have this certain gift, or they need to be able to, I remember I was really intimidated because my pastor's wife um, growing up, she was such a beautiful host, and she she cooked mm-hmm. the best meals and she had people over all the time. And like, I'm still burning things, you know, 14 years into our marriage. <laughs> and um, and so let's talk a little bit about, because I think this is a really good conversation that I think in the world of being a pastor's wife and a minister's wife, there is so much comparison that goes on. And in that comparison is really whenever we start to shrink back and think, I can't do this thing because I'm not like mm-hmm. her or I didn't do mm-hmm. it like them. So mm-hmm. how have you seen that kind of um, really detract? a lot of ministry. Um, Even I think so many of us are just so fearful that we're not even engaging in the ministry that God has given us because we're just plagued by fear, right? Because we're not meeting some of those expectations. So how would you encourage the pastor's wives that are listening um, to really battle with that mindset and some of those comparisons that are going on in their head? I think this could cross the line for that uh, ministry woman as well as the ministry wife and uh, any ministry leader is that you and I need to know who we are and whose mm. we are. Yeah. Um, and we need to understand our calling and our giftedness. I mean, I battle even this after a long time of being in ministry. 
Um, there were, I brought deep hurts into ministry. Uh, I began to unpack those hurts in our marriage bedroom. And my husband was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and, and the reality as a woman, we can hang on to things for a long, long time. And we get an idea in, in our heads um, what that spiritual one looks like. And we create our own vision instead of God's vision about what we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to be. And we create our own um, definition of success. Mm-hmm. And in those moments, what we do, and we usually create those own, our own moments for success based on what we see and truthfully our own denomination. And we look at those women and we decide, okay, I want to be her. I want to be her mm-hmm. instead of just being who God created us to be. Yeah. yeah instead absolutely. of just asking the Lord, God, who do you want me to be? Mm-hmm. Who do you say that I am? Who do you, how have you gifted me to do the work you have called me to do alongside of my husband? And so I think the reality for us is that as we, as we move forward in our own ministries, that what we have to do is we have to sit down and be still before the Lord. We have to establish, as Watchman Nee uh, says in his Sit, Walk, and Stand book, uh, we have to understand our seated position in with Christ in the heavenlies. We are seated with him in the heavenlies, and he has called us by name, and he is ever making intercession for us. And then in Psalm 139, God says, I have created you in the, in, in, in the secret place. And he is, before one of our days came to be, he created those days. So one of the things that I encourage uh, ministry-wise to do is to ask the Lord, how am I gifted? To know our giftings, to know our, our, to know our spiritual giftings, to understand our spiritual gifts, understand our personalities. We are not all called to be the same. Yeah. Praise the Lord we're not all called. Yes to be the same. The body is to function in a way that brings uh, uh, completion to what God has for each and each one of us in that area. And so um, I can't compare myself to anyone anymore. I cannot. And if I'm at a table, God has invited me to a leadership table. A revelation for me in the last year has been God invited me to that table. Mm. God invited me. No matter who he used, God called me to the table. So I would say, Jackie, God has called you to the table where you are. Mm -hmm. And I would say to any ministry wife or women's leader, God will open the doors. God will call you to the table. We don't have to get up in arms about not being invited to the table. We just need to let God open the door and invite us to the table and ask him to help us to do that, to help us know when to step through that, when to pull back, when to wait, when to move forward. And truthfully, let him establish us first and foremost. Mm, that's such a good word. And I think really it's liberating to know I don't have to fit a certain mold, you know, and even if people mm. put a mold in front of me and say, hey, this is what is expected of you. There is so much freedom in knowing that God gifted you. God gave you a story. God gave you a past that is all going to build up into his glory and that he is going to use. And that's for everybody, whether you're in the pastor's wife role or not. And so I think once we really grapple with that truth, it 
is incredibly freeing and this Mm -hmm. ability to breathe that I just get to be who God made me and I get to be and flourish in the areas that he has gifted me in. And so often, like I'll talk with pastors and they'll come, they'll message or they'll ask, you know, like, how do I get my wife to be more involved, you know, like you, or how do I, you know, get her to maybe lead a Bible study and stuff. And I always go back to what is she gifted in? What is she passionate about? Like, we are all going to look different in the kingdom with our roles. And I love um, how you bring Absolutely. up, you know, the Corinthians and how we have different parts. And so all of those things are coming together in very different and good ways. And so I think once we really grapple with that truth, we are able to breathe a little bit lighter. We're able to kind of look around and smile and not feel just this overwhelming pressure of trying to be somebody that you're not. Um, and so I think that's just so much good wisdom there. Um, I want to go mm-hmm. back um, to what you were talking about with the loneliness, because this is definitely something that I think I have battled mm-hmm. with and continue to really struggle with. Um what would you say? I'm going to throw this at you. Um, but I know okay. a lot of the, uh, advice that I had gotten early on in my ministry was don't become friends with your church members. Um, always make sure that you are members with people outside. And I think one of the really hard things that I just hit a wall with was that feeling of I'm fighting for everybody else to have community, you know, and I want them to belong and feel loved mm-hmm. and accepted within our church. But then at the same time, just that gut wrenching, like I don't have people, you know, because I'm not supposed mm-hmm. to be close with you. And so I'm going to make sure mm-hmm. you connect with others. Um, but I have to stay away. And so what would you really kind of, I guess, advise a woman? Because I think we hear that a lot. Um, and I've seen it play out. I know why that, um, wisdom is passed down, but then I also think we're missing out on a lot of the beauty of the local church and, and what we're pouring our heart and souls into. So how would you maybe kind of refute that? Um, and how would you encourage women in steps of maybe fighting some of that loneliness that they're feeling? Well, I often ask the question when I'm teaching. I, um, I will travel with Lifeway and do uh, life. You lead for Lifeway right before um, Beth Moore, Priscilla Schreier, and I will teach the pastors' wives. And I'll ask often ask in those conferences. I'll say, should we have friends in the church? And um, yes, we should have friends in the church. <laughs> you better have friends in the church. You're doing community with them. And if you're not doing community with friends in your church and you're hiding in your house, then you're not, you're not, you're going to create a division. Your women are not going to be together. Um, that creates more, um, division in other areas and it, it also isolates you. But then I'll ask the question again, can you have friends in the church? And the answer to that, the second part of that question is, well, no, not really. Well, because I believe there's different levels of friendship. You better have friends in the church because you are doing life with them. You're having, ba- and especially at your age, you're raising children, you're raising babies, you're doing play dates. You're, you should be doing life with your families in your church. The thing that we need to, to guard against is how we share and who we share with our deepest, most innermost things. There's a there's two terms I use, um, and they're not original with me, but I talk about being authentic and transparent. So uh, authentic would, would look like this with the friends in your church, uh, something like this. Um, would you pray for our family? We're just really struggling right now, and it's just, you know, really busy, and we just could use some extra prayer for, for us. But transparent might be with another fellow ministry friend would be, I need you to pray for us because I'm about to kill him 
and they're not good. <laughs> and those are real prayers. <laughs> real those prayer are real prayers. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. the reality is I can be authentic with my community of church family, but transparent is with someone that I'm safe with. And mm -hmm. so my encouragement to ministry wives is in your community, look around, find someone that's a ministry wife that maybe is not in your denomination. We're not in competition. We are on the same team. If we're naming the name of Jesus, if he's the only way to heaven, we should not be in comp competition with one another. We're all going to reach different sets of people um, in different ways. And so what I encourage uh, ministry wives to do is establish accountability groups and friendship groups within their community that get them, that know them, know the things they're dealing with, and then being transparent with them, be accountable to them. And maybe that looks like you start having coffee with them or you go out for a lunch date and you're just, you just begin to develop a friendship that you understand where each other is coming from mm -hmm. and you're holding each other accountable. I have three different denominational uh, uh, denominations represented in my accountability group. Uh, those women speak to me through their perspective. They give me life. They speak the word to me. They know me inside and out. They know the secrets of my heart that maybe not everybody else knows. And they love me and they pray for me. And I encourage her to do that. And that's what these um, this ministry is about for us is, is helping you create those kind of connections. I love that. So good. Um, and I think just a good encouragement that it also takes work on our end, um, <laughs> that mm -hmm. it's not just going to happen. And so you have to be really intentional about who you are going to um, bring in and who you're going to allow in and who you're going to be vulnerable with. And so I think Absolutely. there's a little bit of courage and bravery that goes with that, that has to fight mm -hmm. for going against the isolation and the loneliness and those kind of things. And so, um, yes. okay, I want to kind of tackle one last hard question. And I really do think this is actually going to be applicable to all of our women. Um, but specifically for um, pastor's wives and women leadership, I think one of the things that I have really had, had to wrestle out in my soul is just this feeling of being expendable when it comes to church. And um, I'll mm -hmm. define it this way that um, – you know, as women leaders and as women that are trying to shepherd and love and lead women within our church and within our city, you know, we pour everything out and um, we lay it out on the table and we have coffee and we hear their, you know, hard stories and we come alongside and all of those things. And then I think one of the deepest stings that I have felt as a leader and as a pastor's wife is when they choose to leave um, or there's conflict within the church. And then, um, you know, because we, we are so invested that emotion emotional toll um, and those losses just really tend to sting. And what I've noticed in my own heart and even just in other conversations with women is that those are really the moments when we start to press back and step back in our ministries and our love for the bride of Christ. Um, it's a hard tension to hold. So how would you encourage women just with different places that they're serving and stuff and how to fight that feeling of just being able to just be thrown away, to be walked away from. Um, mm -hmm. And I think just a lot of that church hurt that most of us are more than likely harboring, you know, you kind of hit on it a little bit earlier. Um, so mm -hmm. how do you walk through that? How do you fight those feelings and those emotions and, um, and really try to deal with that in a healthy manner to where we're able to still move forward and minister and love open-handedly 
and practice forgiveness, you know, all of those things. So what would you say to that? When we, um, I, and, and this is emotional for me even now when you're speaking about it, because I think ministry is one of the only jobs on the planet. Ministry, whether or not you're serving as a women's leader or a, a ministry wife or a past senior pastor's wife, uh, that involves all of your emotions. Mm. Um, you know, you don't uh, come in the door, or shut the door at the end of a work day, come to, and sit down with dinner or race around and do ministry in your home and then prepare dinner and sit down and ministry stops. I mean, last night I got a group text <clears throat> with a, a, a place where we're serving right now and there was an emergency with one of our, our staff uh, and their children through um, an accident that they were having and they were on their way to urgent care and then to the ER. So what I'm saying is it never stops. There's never a, a right. cutoff. There's, so it involves all of you. It involves all of your emotional being. There's not like... Um, I can't tell you how many times ministry wives have shared that they've gone on vacation and get a call back that they've got to go perform a funeral or, you know, just, it just never stops. So when you pour your heart out like that as, as a, as a woman, because God did make us so emotional, I, I do believe it hurts our, our guys and men in general uh, are more sensitive today than they've been in the past and in, in past generations. But still, men are able to compartmentalize that. Women, we are emotional creatures by design. Mm. And so we invest our whole hearts. When we say goodbye to a friend, we don't say goodbye to her at the door. We linger. We walk her to the car. We stand in the driveway. We wave to her if she drives away. So when they reject us, and that's really the issue, there is a rejection when they leave us, when they betray us, when we've listened to them and we've poured our heart out to them and they betray us and there's betrayal. Those are opportunities for us to do one of two things, either to hold the rejection into us, into our bosom and take it as a completely personal attack against who we are or to number one, get it out, recognize it. Say, Lord, this hurts me. And again, having that person that's safe where we go, I don't think this is fair. Foul, calling foul. Mm. And um, sometimes in my prayer time, I've said to the Lord, I need you to get them because yeah. this is not fair. <laughs> I need you to get them. Why is that? Why is this? Why is this happening? And really wrestling it out before the Lord and allowing him to to minister to us in the depths of our, our prayer closet. Uh, sometimes a really literal prayer closet where we're uh, anguishing and being honest enough with the Lord and with someone that we feel safe with, that we that has what I call skin on, that we can just process out our emotions instead of holding it all inside. We can't do that as women because it becomes internal in us and that when we internalize that, then we press it down, and then when another event happens, it, sometimes we they get whatever is happening right then, and then it comes out spilling out. So I would say, first of all, get it out in the open with the Lord. Find someone safe that you can process, process that through. And then the number one thing for me is Matthew chapter, um, I think it's chapter 6, verses 14 through 15 in the Lord's Prayer, where he speaks to us about forgiving those who have trespassed against us mm -hmm. in order for us to stay clean in our relationship 
with him so that he can forgive us. Because if we cannot or will not forgive, doesn't mean it's okay because it's not okay. But if we release them, hand them over to the Lord, sometimes I'm, I, I've had the person in my hands and my mind's eye and I'm offering them over to the Lord and saying, here, they're yours. They're not mine to deal with. And begin to ask the Lord to come and heal your spirit, man. And as he heals you and you offer that forgiveness over, you then clear the conduit so that the Holy Spirit can heal you. And you can move forward. Ask him to heal you. Wrestle it out. And then the, the the reality is we need to grieve those things. It's okay for us to be sad when people leave yeah, us. Yeah. Absolutely. And then begin to pray for them. Mm-hmm. Pray for them daily. By name. Ask the Lord to bless them. Because you cannot pray for someone for very long that you cannot love. You you absolutely love them. Or you will love them in the Lord. I hope that helps. That, that, that's does. what I do. And I think it's such a good reminder. Um, I think we've kind of bought into the lie that, you know, to be strong, to be a strong leader is that you don't feel. (laughs) And that is so Mm -hmm. not um, leadership. That's not strength. You know, that's not even how it's displayed Mm -hmm. in scripture. And you see, Mm -hmm. um, I think as I've taken just a lot of my brokenness and sadness and just lamenting over (laughs) that betrayal, you know, that happens and those losses, um, I just see over and over again in scripture how Jesus dealt with the exact same thing and that um, he was so gracious and he constantly pressed into the Lord just with all of these um, emotions, you know, and the stubbornness of his people, you know, (laughs) Um, and like, and just that, how long is this going to take, you know? And I think sometimes I find myself in those positions, but then at the same time, like I'm on the other side of that too, you know, Jackie, how long is it going to take for you to get, like, people are going to fail you and they're not going to be perfect and you're going to hurt them Mm -hmm. and they're going to hurt you. And I think it constantly is just this reminder that you have got to press into the one and be honest with him to not Mm -hmm. just shove it and um, I think so much I've seen with pastor's wives that they really just start to distance themselves and they really focus on, I'm just going to focus on my kids, you know, and, and mm-hmm. they disengage from the church, they disengage from community and there's just mm-hmm. such a hollowness in that. And mm-hmm. so, um, if you're listening today and you're a leader or a pastor's wife, um, I just really want to encourage you to be honest with where your heart is and, um, and that it's okay to be hurt, you know, like our savior was hurt by people and people that he loved and poured out to mm-hmm. and so there's so much yes. that I think I've learned just in the heart of Jesus and ministry that I so badly want to to mimic you know but in my mm-hmm. in my emotion and my bitterness and my struggle you know it's it's mm-hmm. something that we have to constantly lay down and so um and I think this is just another great point to really encourage you that if you are lonely and if you're believing some of those lies reach out to someone I mean Diane has the forum and this group that you're able to go to she's got retreats that you can go to as well as the um, SBC Women's Leadership Network you know we've got the Facebook group we've got so many avenues now that you can connect with other people. And so I hope that you would get a little bit of courage and just throw it out there and say, hey, are there any uh, ministers' wives or pastors' wives around? Are there any other women around in my community? Um, this is something that I'm going through, you know, and and just really getting brave there because I don't know that we're going to heal. I don't know that we're going to minister well unless we get a little brave with some of those conversations and those emotions that we're maybe kind of stuffing. So 
Absolutely. That is so true. Um, one last thing. If you could give all the women's leaders, because you have done this a long time, just in different spheres and in different avenues, what would be your one kind of nugget of encouragement for women leaders uh, for just being able to kind of be in a place to where we are ministering in a healthy spot and that we're not believing those lies? What would be kind of your bit of advice for everyone today? Mm. So the the number one leadership tip I would give you is that you and I need to first and foremost nourish, protect, invest in our own spiritual walk, our own intimate time with the Lord. We can get so busy in ministry. Religion is our business. Yeah. And if it becomes a business, we lose our intimacy and our spiritual walk with the Lord. We have to have deep spiritual guidance from the Holy Spirit living within us. And we can know all of the scripture by, I mean, by rote, we can quote it. The scripture says the demons know the scripture and they shudder. And so we need to make certain that we uh, distinguish between religion and relationship. Protect your relationship with your Abba, Daddy, God. He absolutely loves you. And he is well pleased with your efforts and he knows you better than you know yourself. So protect Mm -hmm. your intimacy with the father. And as you do that, then he will, he will guide your ministry and he will guide you and develop you into the leader that he desires you to be. Not the next trend, not the next greatest, whatever, but the leader that God wants you to be. And I can't, I cannot emphasize that enough. Those are just some good mama words right there. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> protect it. I, I so appreciate that. And, um, mm-hmm. I think it's a good challenge for all of us. Just a very good, simple reminder. Um, so chase Thank after you. your father. And so I love that. Mm-hmm. All right, Diane. Well, our time is up. I so appreciate just your vulnerability and your honesty, um, and just the great wisdom mm-hmm. that you were able to give, um, to some hard questions. And so I really appreciate that. I'm going to make sure to put in the show notes um, the website to where if you are a minister or pastor's wife and you want to get connected with others or to check out some of these free retreats that uh, Diane is offering um, at Contagious Joy, I'm going to put the website there so that you can check her out there as well as her um Twitter handle and everything so that you can connect with her directly. So, um, but again, I want to thank you so much, Diane, for spending your day with us at the table and just for sharing your heart for ministry and leaders and pastors wives in the SPC. Thank you for having me, Jackie. What an incredible opportunity for you and what you've been doing with starting this website and this new network and, uh, just ask the Lord to bless you and bless what you, um, bless the work of your hand and all your team as you move forward to connect. Southern Baptist women in leadership and ministry-wise to one another and encourage them in their journey. Thank you for having me today. Oh, thank you so much. It's so good. And it really is so fun. I'm enjoying it so much. So, I know you um, are. <laughs> a quick shout out to CSB, our official sponsors. Thank you so much just for your support and willingness to allow this uh, tool and resource for women all across the planet in the SBC. And so we are so thankful for the CSB. And I hope that you will join us again next week for another episode of At the Table.
You have been listening to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and share this with your friends and other women in the SBC. They'd also love to connect online with you at sbcwomen.net for more resources and for you to join the conversation with women all across the globe who are serving in Kingdom Mission. Thanks for listening.